The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. that blessed your soul as much as it did ours. They've spent a lot of time working on that, and their whole purpose this morning was to lead you in worship of Christ. For the next 15 to 20 minutes, I want to bring to you what it is this message is all about. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you're visiting with us, you should have a Bible that looks like this somewhere in front of you. There might be a couple. There might be one. If you do not have a Bible, we would encourage you to take this home. Uh, I know Bibles seem to be very prevalent in a lot of houses. They collect more dust than use at times, even amongst Christians. But if you need a Bible, a new fresh start, that Bible is a gift from us to you. We will be on page 961, 961 of the Bible, or 1 Corinthians 15, for those of you more familiar. Uh, the big numbers are the chapter numbers. We're in chapter 15. The small numbers are the verse numbers, chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. And so I know you just sat down, but uh, we Baptists like to do a lot of exercise during our services. If you're able to stand in honor of God's word, would you join me in standing, please, as we read 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. And if you had one of those donuts in the back, you know you need to go up and down like a thousand times. Those were, those were some mighty big donuts, and we appreciate our, our uh, hospitality crew putting all that together. Thank you. And thank you to our cantata as well. Let's read together. Now, I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, Paul says, of the gospel I preached to you and which you received, in which you stand, and verse 2, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that, verse 4, he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with with the scriptures. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for the word we have heard in song, so clearly depicting the story of your son coming, dying, absorbing the wrath, Lord, of your hand due upon our heads, that he was buried and he raised again. And for these verses ahead of us, Lord, that the simple gospel that we don't just chuck at the moment of salvation, but we carry with us for the rest of our lives and indeed into all eternity. So Lord, as we come and study your word for this brief time, would you be lifted high? Grow the saints. May those without Christ hear the gospel and respond by your spirit. But Father, we thank you that your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, indeed is King of kings and Lord of lords. There's none like him in heaven or on earth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, many, many years ago, uh, there was a man named Jim Bracey, and he was working in the Marines, and he was stationed out of Fort Ord, O-R-D, in California. And this was back in the 1950s, and he had just been newly married to his wife, and she was in North Carolina. And so in love was Jim with his wife that every day he wrote her multiple letters, handwritten letters, mind you, to be mailed off. And one day his wife noticed that she did not receive a letter. And for the life of them, they could not track what happened to that letter. 
Well, fast forward about 50 years until the year 2001, and Fort Ord, ORD in California, was getting ready to be destroyed. And in the old mail processing house, one of the workers, when they were doing demo, happened to find a letter. And wouldn't you know, it was the same letter that Jim Bracey had found, and, or Jim Bracey had written years ago that had just fallen behind the cabinet, lost to time and space. And they tracked down Jim in North Carolina, ironically the same week that he was celebrating his 50th wedding anniversary. And his wife was given that letter, which so passionately explained to her the love that they still had all those years later. Well, friends, there are many churches today, this morning even, who have long lost their love for Jesus Christ. In fact, they've lost the greatest message that comes through the love letter that God has given us, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So many churches today are like that letter that was lost, but instead of being found, it has been lost. And we preach and teach and do all sorts of things. And so this morning, I want to briefly share with you what the gospel is, the most important message, the thing that has not been lost to you because God has given it to you in his word. If you have a bulletin, there will be blanks on the screens. You can fill those in as you please. If you just want to listen, that's fine. Wherever you are today, if you're a Christian or not, the big idea I want you to get is simply this. The gospel is not just the ABCs of Christianity. Many of you grew up with that. Admit, believe, confess. That's good. The gospel is actually the A to Z of Christianity. It's everything. And that is whether you are a new believer or a seasoned believer or if you're coming to Christ for the first time. But I want you to see two things about the gospel today, two things that we are saved by. First off, I want you to see that we are saved by a personal faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved by a personal faith. You notice Paul here says that I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, the gospel knows no bounds. If you're here today and you have so much sin in your life that you don't believe that God could ever forgive you, oh, go ahead and try him. He's limitless in his mercy and his grace. The gospel is a personal thing. I cannot save you as a pastor. Your Sunday school teacher, if you're part of that, cannot save you. Your parents cannot save you to get to heaven. You are not saved because your granddaddy was a preacher in some backwoods Baptist church back in the middle of nowhere. You are saved because you yourself accept the gospel. It's a personal gospel. And he reminds them of this. Christian, you should never forget the gospel. So many of us come to the gospel like a flu shot we get or a shot we get. We get it one time and we're one and done with the gospel. Well, that's for the, that's for the children. No, it's what you build your life upon. It's what you build your Christianity upon. But you notice there as a little sub-point here that saving faith, is rooted in gospel proclamation. It's rooted in gospel proclamation. He says the gospel, and we'll unpack what the gospel is in the coming moments, but he says, I preach to you. Do you know what the most foolish, ludicrous thing is in the world? It's what I'm doing right now. It's preaching. It's teaching. It's sharing God's word. But I want you to know that has always been the central function of the church. Faith comes by hearing. Many of you know this, and hearing comes by the word of God or the word of Christ, Romans 10. And what he's telling them is, is that the way that you heard about the gospel is someone shared it with you. They preached it to you. They, 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 they heralded it to you. They gave it to you. They spoke it to you. And I want you to know, if you're visiting with us here at the church, we value preaching. Not the preachers necessarily, but we value what is said from the pulpit, what we preach. It's not about who's up here, what they're wearing or not wearing. It's what they're saying and who they're saying it about, what they're saying about the one they're saying it about. You confused yet? The point is, he told them that it came by a saving faith through proclamation. If you're here today and you're hearing the gospel, you will be judged one day for what you are hearing. Listen clearly. 
But he also says saving faith is rooted in gospel transformation. Not only proclamation that you hear it, but verse one, or verses 2 and 3, or 1 and 2 rather, that there is transformation. There are three words there that you probably noted in verses 1 and 2. There's a receiving, a standing, and a being saved. And he tells them in verse 1, he says, The gospel I preached to you, I proclaimed to you, is the gospel which you received. Now, we have a pretty cool quarterback in Kansas City. His name is Patrick Mahomes. Whether he's a Christian or not, I'll leave that out for you to decide. But one thing I want you to know is when he throws a ball, unless your hands are like mine and can't catch anything, usually that person's going to get the ball. He throws it in places. He goes behind his head. He does this. He does that. He does every which way to get you the ball. And it's your fault if you haven't received it because he's going to get it right to you nine times out of ten. And I want you to know that just as a receiver receives the ball from a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, so too, if you have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is something that you catch and you receive it and you never let it go. You always hold on to it. You don't fumble it. Because if you're truly a Christian and you receive the gospel, then you have had a life transformation that has happened. When Jesus comes into your life, your life is never the same. Yeah, you'll have depths and downs, and there will be times in your lives you may even doubt and even question God. But if you've truly received the gospel, then your life will be forever changed. You not only receive it, it changes you, but you also stand in it. You stand in it. When people come to you and they say stuff, the, the, stuff like this, well, well, surely you don't believe there's a dead man that came back from the dead. You say, oh, yes, I do. And when they come to you and say, well, God can never forgive you. You're such a sinner. They does God really know what you did in the past? I know what you did. God could never forgive you. And you say, oh, but only by Jesus Christ can I be saved and washed away from all my sins. If you're a Christian and you've truly come to Christ, the gospel will change you because you've received the life-changing word. But it's where you plant your life. It's where your life is firmly rooted. And in all seasons, when the winds blow, you're like those trees that don't sway. They may lose a branch every now and then, and they may have some dents in their, in their bumper, so to speak. But at the end of the day, they are standing on the gospel because God has raised them up. And then he says in verse 2, it's not only what you've received and stand in, it's that you're being saved. What does that word mean, saved? Saved from what? Saved from your sin. You're here today. The thing that you are being saved from is first off from the Lord himself. What are you saved from if you're saved here today and you're a Christian? You're saved from God himself. God says in John 3, 36, that the wrath of God, his anger abides on all of us. And that the only way to get that away is to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. So there's a point in which you were saved. You turned from your sin and you trusted in Jesus Christ. You said, Jesus, I can't do this myself. I believe you're the savior. Save me. And he saved you. But even now in the present, if you're a Christian, you are being saved every day. Not for eternity, but he's saving you and forgiving you and drawing him closer to yourself, you closer to himself. And he's making you like him. But he's also one day, if you're a Christian and you get out of here and go to heaven by his grace, you will be once and for all glorified and given the same body that Jesus Christ had. And as a, I'm going to pick on our brother Jeff Jones. As he said today, he hopes he was like his 33-year-old buff self someday in heaven. Brother, I don't know if that's how it's going to work out. But I do know that we both would agree that when we get to heaven someday, we will be grateful that we're there because we are forgiven from all of our sin. Because we received it, we stood by God's grace in the gospel, and we have been transformed by it. We are being saved. We are saved by a personal faith. 
But I want you to see, secondly, we are saved by the historical facts of the gospel. The historical facts of the gospel. You know, there are many today who question not only the resurrection, but they question whether Jesus even lived. Sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? There are some today who believe that Jesus didn't actually die. There are some who believe that Judas, that man who exchanged his life and soul for 30 pieces of silver, was put up on the cross. Somehow everyone covered their eyes and counted to 60 while they switched out Jesus with Judas. Just crazy stuff. But that is not what the Bible says. In fact, if you look at verses 3 and 4, he gives you three facts that are happening here. He died, he buried, and he rose again. That is the histor- those are the historical facts of the gospel. So fact number one is this. Fact number one is Christ died. I'm going to give you a million-dollar word here. He died vicariously. He died in your place. The substitute died for you. A sinful Savior cannot be a saving Savior. And Christ was not sinful. He was sinless. And because he was sinless, the Bible says in verse 3, he delivered to you of a first importance. Many of you here today, you may have been to churches where they talk about your feelings, they talk about your dreams, they talk about your health and your wealth and your prosperity, and it's all focused on you, and very little is focused on what Christ did. But notice what Paul says. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins. Jesus did not come to make your life happy clappy. Jesus did not come to give you the American dream. Jesus came to do one purpose. And what is it, church? He came to die for your sins. He took your place, my place, our place on the cross. And as John 19, 30 says, when the wrath of God came down, he said those famous words, it is finished. What is finished? God's anger was snuffed out for all those who believe in Jesus Christ. He died vicariously. He died in your place. The second fact that Paul says here in verse 3, the end of verse 3, is he died biblically. He died biblically. Notice he says he not only died for our sins, but how did he die for our sins? In accordance with the Scriptures. Here at this church, we firmly believe that these 66 books represent God's word for us today. We don't need someone to come along and tell us that God spoke to them in a dream. We don't need someone to come along and say that there's a better word or another testament. We don't need someone to come along and say, well, I know better than God. If God's word says it here, we believe it. You're visiting, there are some tough parts in the Bible. There are parts you look at and you see and you say, well, I, I don't see how that jives with God. And we can work with those with you. But I want you to know Christ died biblically. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was fulfilled prophecy. The odds of fulfilled prophecy in Jesus, as uh, uh, Brother Gary and I were talking about in Sunday school, and he mentioned the old uh, book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, by uh, uh, Josh McDowell. There's an old illustration in there where he talks about that if you were to make a coin, uh, like a quarter or half-sized dollar coin, and put an X on it, and throw it somewhere randomly in the state of Texas, and fill up, I believe, up to your ankles of coins all through the state of Texas, and tell a person, go find the one coin marked with an X. Okay. And you look at that and say, that's impossible. McDowell has argued for years that the, the, the fact that Jesus fulfilled all prophecy is the odds of someone finding that red X. But in Christ, he died biblically. All the prophets, prophets all the, uh, the people have written in the Old Testament was fulfilled in him. He not only died vicariously, he died biblically, but notice verse 4, he died literally. It says he was buried. 
Jesus was not switched out for Judas. Jesus did not. Uh, some people say that he died partially, and then he got some cool, misty air in the midst of a grave, and he rose up again, and, and he moved the stone away himself. I, I've done a lot of funerals, and I've never seen that happen. But I can tell you that if he's truly God and God himself, then he will do what only God can do. He was buried. He actually died. He literally died. Friends, someday you too are literally going to die. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it's destined for a man or a woman to die once and then face the judgment. Are you ready for that day? But notice fact number four. He says not only was he, he died vicariously, he died in our place, he died according to the scripture, he died literally, he was buried, but number four, Christ was raised. Christ was raised. And he says in verse four, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Again, there are many churches today on this day, because they do not believe in the literal resurrection of Christ, will tell you that Jesus rose in your heart, or that Jesus is just a symbolic thing that uh, just like Jesus rose, we can get the warm fuzzies in our heart. Look, I get a warm fuzzy every time I think about Jesus dying for me and all the joy that comes from knowing him. But it's not because I have a warm fuzzy that Jesus raised from the dead. He actually literally raised from the dead. Does that make sense? He actually came back from the dead. And if you're here today, that probably sounds like I just said I saw an alien ship out there parked in our back parking lot, and he came and, and, and zipped me off to some galaxy, and I came back in a split second. That's probably what it sounds like to your ears. But if you're a Christian, you know the truth. When I tell you that Jesus raised from the dead, you believe it because you know that's what he did. And you know that's what you stake your life and eternity on. He was raised. How do we know this? And I'll close with this. How do we know this? Look at the end of verse 4. Notice the repetition here. How do we know this is true? It was, he, was buried, uh, he was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So really it comes down to, do we believe the Bible is who God says he is or is it not? And friend, I want to tell you today, if you're a Christian, you stake your life in eternity on the fact that Jesus came back and he raised from the dead. Amen? But you also, if you're visiting here today, we are super, super glad you're here today. But if you don't know Christ... We're not going to beat you over the head with the Bible. We're not going to twist your arm. But we do want you to know that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if you do not know that truth, we want you to know that truth today. The most important message is the gospel, that Jesus Christ died, he buried, and he rose again. And he calls. Can I have everyone's eyes up here for just a second? If you have not made a choice for Jesus, you must make that choice. You must make that decision. You will be held responsible for that. And Christian... Continue to pray, preach, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. I believe after that, Brother Brian will lead us in one more song, and we'll be dismissed. Thank you all so much. We love you all. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we are saved by a personal faith, that it is only through the hearing of the word of God in so many forms, but especially through preaching, that we are able to respond. And the evidence of that response is our transformation, that we receive the gospel we stand in the gospel by your grace, and we are being saved because of the gospel. Father, we thank you for the facts that also save us. Not that the head knowledge is enough. We must believe in our hearts to be true. That Christ died. He took our place. He died in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried, and he was raised again in accordance with the scriptures. Father, may our church, may our families, may our lives, may everything we do be focused and foundationally built upon those facts, truths, and historical 
bits of, of fact. That's all we can say. Father, if there's any among us today that don't know Jesus, would you bring them to that knowledge? For all the Christians here today, may we not slough off the gospel, but may we always remember, even daily, even hourly, even every minute, that by your grace we've been saved, and by your grace we will live again. We love you, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Final song of worship. I pray that our collective voices will shake these solid wood rafters with our rejoicing that Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. In Christ alone, my hope is found.